Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> Damn it, for three. Somebody tell him he's a rookie. Welcome, everybody, into a brand new episode of Believe in Clippers. I'm your host, Jesse Cass, here on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks so much for tuning us in once again as we get things back rolling on the Believe in Clippers podcast. Of course, last week we had an episode, but it was a, a special tribute in remembrance of Kobe Bryant. So as we look to try to get back to normal a little bit here, we will be breaking down Clippers basketball and get back to seeing where they're at in the season and what they're looking to do going forward. Uh, before we get there, quickly, I want to let you know that if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in, Google Play, Spotify, iHeart, uh, wherever you find podcast Stitcher as well, anything. You can find us there, also at Believe.com. We're available, and follow along at Believe Podcasts on any social media handle. So with all that said, we're going to get into it here on the Believe in Clippers podcast. Last time we really talked and broke down Clippers basketball was when they were on their five-game road trip, which included games against the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Hawks, the Heat, and the Magic. Yeah, Four-in-one trip, all things considered, not too bad for the Clippers, considering they're still not healthy fully at any point during that trip. And the one loss was a 21-point blown lead at Atlanta. There was no Trey Young for the Hawks, but there was no Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, or Pat Beverly for the Clippers. So while that's still a, a tough loss that stings a little bit, it's one that is somewhat understandable. And considering they finished out the road trip with wins against Miami and Orlando, can forgive them for that one. But a 4-1 trip overall on the road, that led us to where we are now, where they're on a four-game homestand. Right now, 2-1 and one, with one more home game to come. Uh, led that homestand off with uh, a dud against the Kings and one that probably could be forgiven as well. Uh, of course, they had the postponed game that they're supposed to play against the Lakers, kind of had the, the news of the, the Kobe Bryant news settle in, and of course being here in Los Angeles and feeling it full force. Just one of those games for the Clippers where uh, they didn't have their best effort, and the Kings, to their credit, were just ridiculous. They were making every single three-pointer. They set a team record in over 23, so just one of those nights uh, for Sacramento and for the Clippers, so one you just kind of wipe away, and luckily for the Clippers, they did soon after Got a win over the Minnesota Timberwolves and then followed that one up with a close win against the San Antonio Spurs as well. So Clippers right now 35-15 and 15, and for all the, the concern and struggles that we've seen from this team, it's still the best start in team history and that's with so many missed injuries up and down the lineup. The, the most recent game against the Spurs was just the third game all year that the Clippers have had. Their full, healthy lineup and allotment of players available with Paul George back, Pat Beverly back, everyone back. Finally, a full, healthy lineup, and we say that knocking on wood as Paul George took an elbow to the face. Uh, it seems like there's always something, but at least for now, going into the upcoming game against the Heat, it does seem like all hands will continue to be on deck for the Clippers, who played really well. We mentioned the 4-1 and road trip. Obviously, that one, those random intertwined games against lesser teams like the Kings and like the Hawks. 
But when the Clippers have played other really good teams, or even mostly, for the most part, subpar teams, they performed really well. And look no further than that road trip. Wins at New Orleans, who has been playing much better. Obviously, Zion wasn't back at that point, but Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram an all-star. Lonzo Ball's playing a lot better. Drew Holiday, of course, is a star player. So they went in the road, got that victory. Then, of course, going against Dallas. Second time that the Clippers have won on the road in Dallas. And really pretty convincing in both both tries against the Dallas Mavericks. So this one was a little closer, but able to take that. And then against Miami, one of the more impressive ones on the road trip. The Heat came out gunning, just nailing every single shot from three. Clippers didn't get overwhelmed. They were able to fight their way back, flip that around, turn it into a big double-digit lead for them, and then hold on at the end. And then, of course, on the Sunday, we talked about it a little bit last week, just for a moment, uh, but right off the heels of the news, of, of the Kobe Bryant news, going into that game against Orlando, it was understandably a low-energy game from both teams, but Kawhi Leonard, uh, as he's been doing, kind of carried the way and dominated that one. And, and that's been a big key for this team, unsurprisingly. Kawhi Leonard doing his thing, being dominant, continuing to look healthier and healthier, and and really put his imprint on every single game on both ends of the floor. And we've seen the progression offensively. We talked a lot about his ability as a playmaker, and now we're seeing, even though it's still been there all year, but we're really seeing his impact as a scorer on this lineup and in this ball club. The win against the Spurs, where he had 22 points, was his first time in 10 games without 30-plus. He had gone nine straight games with 30 points or more, and that is the best mark in the league all year. And you think about guys like James Harden, who's averaging almost 36 points a game, Giannis averaging over 30. Of course, Damian Lillard has been going bonkers this past few weeks. Still, the nine straight 30-plus point games, the best streak in the league, and that belongs to Kawhi Leonard. So that shows you what kind of level he's been on recently. And then finally, adding Paul George back into the fold, adding Patrick Beverly back into the fold, this is the team that so many of us have expected to be dominant. So many outsiders and analysts have picked to be a championship favorite. And as we said, all things considered, the record is outstanding. They're the two seed in the West as we speak, with Denver and Utah going through a couple of recent lulls. So that puts the Clippers back in the two spot. And they're just three games out of the one seed right now. So if you look at everything that's gone on this season, that's a huge positive for this Clippers team. And Paul George making big plays down the stretch of the Spurs game, hitting the clinching shot with the Clippers up by two, a little step-back jumper against Lonnie Walker to push that lead to four and seal it. It was a great game for Paul George and one that was an all-around effort. 19 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, and Paul, Paul George's decision-making in the pick-and-roll, especially in the second half after kind of a sluggish start with some turnovers, uh, was great to see because we've seen that from Kawhi Leonard we know that Lou Williams can provide that from a playmaking standpoint. We've also seen improvements from Landry Shamit in his decision-making and driving along with his three-point shooting. So Paul George, we know, is so dynamic as an offensive player. And anytime he adds that extra element of being able to create and facilitate for his teammates, that makes the Clippers a much better team as well. So that was really encouraging to see in the win against the Spurs. And also a close game for this team against, granted, a Spurs team that might end up missing the playoffs, but they're always going to be coached well under Popovich. They're always going to play hard. They still have talent, of course, with DeRozan and Aldridge and Patty Mills and guys who have experience and big games and playoff atmosphere. So they're, they're never going to go down quietly. So you got to win those games no matter who you're playing against. And the Clippers were able to do that. 
We saw a big three-pointer from Patrick Beverly. His three-point shooting, really since the after the first what, two weeks of the season, he had an early season slump, but he's been outstanding from downtown since then, and we know what he brings on the defensive end. So all of those were positive signs to see, and we'll see. They have a nice test coming up against the Heat. Mentioned they beat them on the road a little over a week ago. They have them at home. Heat are still playing well. They still present a lot of matchup problems for teams around the league. They shoot a lot of threes. They play very tough, and they have a dynamic player in Jimmy Butler and a dynamic, interesting, and unique player in Bam Adebayo, a center who can facilitate and control the offense from the high post and the low post as well. So it'll be a fun matchup for the Clippers, and we'll see how they can keep things going before they head back out on the road again after the home game against the Heat. They've got Minnesota, Cleveland, Philadelphia, and Boston on that road trip. Obviously, the Philly and Boston game should be a little bit tougher, but we know that the Clippers have had some of their issues with less, lesser teams as well. So no game is easy, but hopefully the Clippers can cruise through a few of those. And even Philly and Boston have had some struggles recently. So hopefully the wins will keep on coming for the Clippers, and then that will lead us into the All-Star break where the Clippers will be back home following that. So uh, an opportunity to continue to build wins, as we said, either get a firm grasp and cement that two-seed or really take control of it and potentially climb your way closer to the one seed, depending on what the Lakers do. So still plenty of season to go and a lot of time for this group to gel. Uh, and we'll see what happens. But there's a couple of things specifically I definitely want to address and get to in this week's podcast, one of which is the debate of how much to play Zubats, the thoughts on Montrez Harrell. So I'll get into that in just a moment. And then also the trade deadline. It's coming up on Thursday. We know that there's been a lot of talk around this Clippers team. Do they need more inside? Do they need another playmaker? Do they need another wing? Does Harkless provide enough offense? So going to talk about the trade targets that are available, the known ones that we've seen filter through the media, who's available to be traded for, and if it's worth it for the Clippers. So we'll get to that on this week's episode as well. But before we do, we mentioned the long-debated hot topic on Twitter amongst Clipper Nation, Montrez Harrell and Avica Zubats, and the minute distribution from head coach Doc Rivers for his big man on the floor. And listen, we, we know, I think we've all agreed and all come to a consensus that we would like to see more minutes for Zubats, especially in games where the Clippers are playing some bigger centers or guys that are giving them trouble on the interior, especially in the rebounding department on the defensive end. But... At the same time, it's hard to fault Doc Rivers for trusting a guy like Montrose Harrell who provides so much on the offensive end and also a lot on the defensive end too. We know that he has his faults and his limitations defensively, especially because of his size, but he's someone that still provides a ton on that end as well. He does block over a shot per game, and granted, block shots don't always equate to being a great defender, uh, but still, that is rim protection for Montrose Harrell. I've seen a lot online about there's no protection at all and yes there are times where Zubats is a better fit on the floor for the Clippers than Harrell depending on the matchup that Spurs game was probably a great example LaMarcus Aldridge prolific offensive player Zubats did a great job defending him has more size more length to defend him with and Aldridge was able to shoot over the top of Harrell late in that game to give the Spurs a run which almost let them come away with a victory but at the same time it I thought the minute distribution in that ball game was great. Zubats played more, played over 20 minutes, as did Harold. It was about two minutes apart with Harold with two more minutes in the ball game than Zubats. I think that's 
right where it needs to be, but I still have no problem with Harrell being the closer for this team and providing a lot of versatility. We mentioned the rim protection that he does provide with over a block per game, and I don't think it, it can be discounted at all that he leads the entire NBA, not just the Clippers, but the entire league in charges taken. Now, that's not the exact same thing as traditional rim protection, but it's still a skill, and the fact that he's given up his body on this level over and over and over again shows that there's the effort on that end of the floor, and it's forcing turnovers, creating opportunities for the Clippers. So I do think that the defensive aspect for Trez has been a little bit overblown, and granted, there are times where if he's out there with Lou Williams, we know that they each can have their defensive limitations, but I think at this point, it's still way too early to try to judge that and say you can't play Harrell in a certain instance or you can't play Lou in a certain instance when the team hasn't even played together. I think you can keep one or two of those guys out there at the same time if you've got Kawhi Leonard, if you've got Paul George, and another great defender on the floor, whether it be Jermichael Green or Mo Harkless or Shamit or McGruder, whoever it may be, to kind of make up for any defensive skills that are lacking for the other players. So I do think that... Like I said, there are certain instances where Zubats is a better fit and is needed in a ball game, and he is a big part of this team. But at the same time, I feel like we've taken this a little too far the other way. I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter in the most recent set of games in the past week or so talking about Zubats being a better player than Harrell. And come on, guys, this is just ridiculous at this point. Zubats has provided so much for this team. He's still very young. But if we're talking about who's the better player at this point, there's no question or contest. Montres Harrell is incredible. He's a borderline all-star at this point. Yes, he's undersized, and yes, he has his deficiencies, but so does every single player in the league outside of maybe the top 10 players in the league where they're almost perfect in every aspect, and even those guys have flaws. So uh, I think we should still appreciate everything that Trez does on the floor rather than harp so hard on the, the things that he doesn't do as well. And granted, expectations are higher. This is the championship team. But looking at someone like Trez, the only other centers, and granted he's an undersized center, as we said, we know that, but the only other centers are big men on the floor that have the skill set that he has are superstars. Now, Trez is not a superstar, but in terms of big men who can create their own shot off the dribble, who perform well as a passer out of pick and roll scenarios in the middle of the floor, that list is very small, and Trez is excellent in those categories. He's one of the best finishers in the league. He's a great screen setter. He's become a better and better passer. And we mentioned the things that he does do well on the defensive end. He's just so valuable. And I think it is a little short-sighted and overlooks a lot to think that if you take him off the floor for large periods of time, that the Clippers can easily overcome that. Now they're deep. They have other good offensive players and they're built to sustain through a lot in terms of being able to lose guys and have other people fill in uh, but we've seen it even as recently as last year's playoffs that Trez can be on the floor against anyone. He was on the floor against one of the best teams ever in the Warriors and performed very, very well in that series. Uh, so he's going to be someone who you need to rely on heavily. And I do, as I've mentioned, know that Zubats also needs to be relied on heavily at certain points. And depending on the matchup, you can give him more minutes. But it just feels like the narrative and the conversation has swung a little bit too far the other way and is a little bit ridiculous and kind of tearing down someone who has built the identity of this ball club. It's just such a hard worker and hard player and all he cares about is winning. So uh, I think the 
the kind of anti-Trez stance that I've seen, even if that's not necessarily where the intent is coming from, uh, has gotten a little bit too far out of hand. So it's simple. Both guys are important to the Clippers. Both guys need to play. And Trez, for the most part, should be the closer for this team. And like I said, there are instances and bigger teams where Zubats should be in there later in the ball game, and hopefully that does get recognized a little bit more by Doc Rivers. But Harrell is such a key part of this team, not only with his play, but to the identity of the team as well. And I think that's big to consider coming up on this trade deadline. I know his name is likely going to come up, uh, and he's coming up on free agency as well. But you look at kind of the identity of this team that started a couple years ago with the Chris Paul trade. We've seen it recently with the Slam Magazine cover kind of recreating the the brand Odom Miles cover, the Rock La Familia cover, uh, that can't be underestimated when talking about this team and any potential trade if you were to send Trez out the other way. We know this front office is ruthless. They will do things that they feel is best for the team to, to succeed, but that's something that should be heavily considered in any trade that Harrell comes up in is his identity to the team in that locker room chemistry. We've heard a lot about it, but... This is a team that's very close, that loves each other. And you think about Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, and Montrezl Harrell. Those guys are key to the culture and the identity of this team. So I think any trade involving them would have to be really well thought out and bring back a lot in return. So all in all, Trez and Zoo, both important. Both should play, but we should still appreciate Trez for what he does on the court because it's, it's pretty spectacular night in and night out, and it can be easy to overlook his production, but someone who scores nearly 20 points per game and does it shooting almost 60% from the field, it's incredible. So we've seen a lot of guys who do that inefficiently, a lot of guys who don't contribute to winning. He's been a part of winning basketball since he's been here, so this is a Trez appreciation shout-out. He needs to be on the team, he needs to be a big part of things, and as does Zoo. So hopefully that can all intertwine itself in the right way going forward. We'll see if Doc can make that happen, but We mentioned the trade deadline a little bit. We're going to get into that, all the targets that are available, and more coming up. But first, a quick break. Breaking news. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your public service announcement. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed they have successfully created the greatest trimmer ever created. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we're the first to confirm the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use the code BELIEVE. And as always, your balls will thank you. All right, let's get into some trade deadline talk. The trade deadline is nearly upon us. Uh, 12 p.m. on Thursday is the trade deadline, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We'll find out if the Clippers add anyone. They have been rumored to be in the market for some improvements, although they are already a championship contender. A lot of potential pieces out there, so we'll see who they can get after and if it'll be worth it for the club. I do think it's important to note, uh, before we get into the specific players, that the New York Knicks finally, mercifully, fired Steve Mills after a disastrous helm atop in many different facets with the Knicks organization he's been involved in. You look back at every press conference for so many head coaches, way back to Lenny Wilkins and Larry Brown, Steve Mills is always somehow in there. He's like a vampire, but he's finally 
been fired, at least from basketball-making decisions. And the reason that's important for the Clippers is one of their top targets or one of the top guys on the market. And that's Marcus Morris, who's having a career year. Now, granted, with a bad team, the Knicks, so he has a lot more opportunity. But he's doing it on a really efficient level, and he's played really well. I've had a chance to watch him a lot this season. And, you know, he is a ball stopper. His fit could be a question, but there's no denying his ability to score both in isolation and as a three-point shooter, uh, which are things that the Clippers would take. So Marcus Morris averaging 19.5 points per ball game, 5.5 rebounds, and most importantly for what his role would be with the Clippers, 44% from three-point range, top five in the entire NBA. So he has become a consistent knockdown three-point shooter. He's a battle-tested veteran. Of course, he's been with the Celtics for the past few years, and he's physical, he's tough, he defends. Uh, He could be a good fit for this Clippers team, but as always, in the trade market, what's the price and is it worth it? So Marcus Morris, he's on a one-year deal for $15 million, expiring after this season, likely be a rental, although you'd have his bird rights, you could re-up him afterward. But the price for Morris, really the only pathway to him, would likely be through a Moharkless, and then you either have Magruder or Jerome Robinson, potentially both, and maybe even a first-round pick as well. So it could be a lot to give up for a guy like Morris. The real question is, does it upgrade you losing Harkless and bringing in Morris? Because Magruder, for all he can do defensively, has been awful offensively. We know all the complaints and struggles about Jerome Robinson, although he's still a very young player. But this essentially comes down to, when you're talking about minutes and the rotation, Harkless versus Morris and what the fit is with this ball club. Harkless for all his offensive faults, does bring a lot of versatility defensively. He can guard point guards to centers in some cases, one through five. Morris, as we said, is a good defender, but not quite as versatile. He's primarily going to be guarding threes and fours, and likely fours for the most part. Uh, So he's not going to give you that versatility where you get a range of players that he can guard, even down to point guards. So that shifts a little bit defensively for the Clippers, but offensively, a huge upgrade from what Mo Harkless brings. We mentioned the numbers from Morris just a minute ago, but the most staggering and glaring one is three-point range. And Harkless is shooting 35% from downtown this year, but doesn't shoot a lot of them. It's not really a threat out there. Teams are going to let him shoot, especially in the playoffs. And will those numbers be there? Will those shots go down for Harkless? Unclear to say at this point. But Marcus Morris, as we said, is a knockdown three-point shooter for the Clippers who already have Dynamic offensive options. If you have Kawhi out there with George, Lou, Shamit, Tress, whoever, Big Zoo. If you have someone like Morris, another guy who can stretch the floor, also score at a post-up, score in isolation, just gives you another weapon to throw up down the stretch. And Morris has gotten a lot of reps on this bad New York Knicks team as the primary closer in the clutch. And he just had a game against the Cavs in overtime where he hit big shots to send it to overtime. He hit back-to-back shots to take the lead and then extend the lead late in the ball game. So he's had a lot of experience as a guy who's not afraid to score in crunch time. So I like Morris. I think he's good. As you said, the price is iffy, though. It's right on that borderline of if it's worth it or not. And that brings me to the thought of, is Markeith Morris available? Now, he's not quite as good as his brother Marcus, at least not this year. Uh, a little bit less minutes. He's playing on the Detroit Pistons, another bad team, but he's averaged 11 points per ball game, nearly four rebounds, and he's still shooting 
39% from three, and perhaps most importantly, he's making just $3.2 million this year. He does have a player option for a little over $3 million next year, but that's not a steep price to play to pay at all for someone who could give you very similar things to his brother Marcus, of course. Identical twin, the same size, same physical build. We said not quite as productive this year, but the numbers are still good, and maybe you could have him for less. You could hold on to Harkless, maybe something like Robinson and a pick. Magruder and a pick could be able to get that done with the Pistons and save you from that question of losing that defensive versatility with Harkless versus gaining it with someone else or the offense-defense trade-off if you can add someone like Markeith Morris, maybe that could be the answer there. Maybe not. But just a thought and an idea for the Clippers as some of their potential targets moving forward from there. We know a lot has been made about Andre Iguodala. That blew up a lot on social media today with the young Grizzlies kind of throwing some shots at Iguodala and perhaps not unfairly for him sitting out this year, not wanting to join their ball club. But the Grizzlies have been adamant that they want to trade Iguodala and not buy him out. His contract, similar to Marcus Morris, mentioned Marcus Morris at $15 million, Iguodala expiring at $17 million. So it would have to be a similar package of Harkless, Magruder, Robinson, picks, uh, to, or a pick, potentially not, maybe a second-round pick for Iguodala, who's obviously an older player, but has all the seasoning, all the experience, the former Finals MVP, is out there. Wing defense is his specialty without question. And... The move could be motivated even to keep him off of some of your top competitors. We know the Lakers would be desperate to add someone like Iguodala to try specifically to contend with the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The Rockets, of course, would be interested in that group. So Iguodala is an option. Uh, Some other names we've heard. Thaddeus Young, of course, that again, almost all of these trades are going to involve Harkless if they go down. So he's the one who's probably on pins and needles right now. But Thaddeus Young... Averaging 9.5 points, 4.5 rebounds. He's 34% from three. So that's actually a little bit better than I thought when I was looking up these numbers on on these players. But uh, his contract is not too arduous, but it is still not the best. It's it's not cheap. 12.9 million this year, 13.5 next year, 14.1 the year after. So he's on the books for not only this year, but two years after at fairly big money. And considering the Clippers... Obviously, have big decisions coming up with guys like Montrezl Harrell. Uh, already, a lot of guys in the books with Kawhi and PG, and you know Lou Williams under contract. Pat Beverly just got his big payday. Do you really want to spend that much money on a guy like Thaddeus Young, who, in in all estimations, doesn't really do that much differently or that much more than Mo Harkless does? He has a slightly more refined offensive game, but probably a slight downgrade defensively. And as said, the contract numbers make it. A little iffy. That's one that I definitely don't feel as sure about. So hopefully the Clippers stay away from that one. But we have heard that name come up again and again. So Thaddeus Young is out there. And a thought, uh, some other bigger names that have come up. Andre Drummond. We know the Clippers have made big deals with the Pistons before. Drummond's numbers are big. 17.5 points, nearly 16 rebounds, and nearly two blocks. But with the big numbers comes the big pay, the big pay tag for Drummond. $27 million this year. He does have a $28 million player option next year as well. So if you want to get this one done, then you're going to have to dig a little bit deeper into the pockets and give up a lot more off the roster. Again, you have Harkless's $11 million contract for a deal for Drummond. 
You'd likely have to bring in Zubats in that situation. And do you really want to trade your 22-year-old, very talented, improving center for someone like Drummond, who granted is big, plays big, but has such a big price tag and might not play the exact style that the Clippers are looking for. So Drummond is talented, he's intriguing, but you'd have to give up a lot. It could be a package of Harkless, Zubats, Magruder, Robinson, uh, you know, who knows what else you'd have to give up, but it would have to be likely something steep, and I don't know if the Clippers are willing to do that or if they should be willing to do that. So that would still be a big surprise if they went that route and tried to go that extreme with it especially considering there's so much made about, and we've talked about this on past podcasts as well, but the who's going to stop Anthony Davis narrative for the Clippers. And like we've said in the past, not many teams are going to be able to slow him down. He's going to get his numbers, but the Clippers do have a ton of defense, uh, versatile defenders that they can throw at him, including Jermichael Green, Zubats at times, Montrez Harrell at times, even Kawhi Leonard has the strength to defend as well as anyone can. So, Clippers are 2-0 against the Lakers at this point. That doesn't mean that it will translate to the playoffs, but they've shown themselves plenty capable so far of, even if Davis has gotten big numbers, been able to take away enough of everyone else that they've still been able to come out with victories in two different games, one of those without Paul George in the lineup. So I think that is a little overblown, and the need for giant additional size is likely not necessary, but the rest of our names on the list do have that size. Maybe not as much of a clog inside as Drummond would be, but Steven Adams, who the Thunder are a playoff team now, they're likely not looking to deal, but he provides same type of thing that Drummond does, but also comes with the same type of price tag. Adams averaging 11 points, 9 rebounds, and over a block per game. $25 million for him, and $27 million next year as well. So that's something that's probably not likely either, but his name has been floated around here and there. Tristan Thompson is an intriguing name. He's, of course, an NBA champion. He's returned to form after some off years. 12 points, 10 rebounds, a block shot, great defense, improved offense. When he's locked in, he's a very talented player. We saw what he did in that finals against the Warriors. Without his ability to switch on to Curry in that series, pretty effectively, the Cavs don't make that comeback and win that championship. So he looks like he's that similar player. He would definitely provide a rebounding boost, which we know has been an issue with the the Harold Zubats dilemma. So Thompson could provide additional rebounding, but again, fairly high salary at eighteen million. It is expiring after this year, but certainly a name to keep an eye on. We've also heard Kevin Love in recent days. That one seems really unlikely. Thirty million dollars a year for Love. Great offensive player, great rebounder, uh, but that one just seems like it's a little too out of left field. So I don't think that one's a real a realistic option and. And finally, Aaron Baines. We saw his name a lot earlier. Haven't heard it as much recently, but with DeAndre Ayton back in the fold for the Suns, Baines, 11.5 points, 6 rebounds, shooting 33% from 3, so just enough of a threat from there as a big man, just making $5.4 million and is expiring. So potentially a deal that could be made where you don't have to give up too much. Maybe Robinson and a pick. Could be a second-round pick. Doesn't have to be a first, but uh, we'll see if the Suns are willing to do, to do that. Also heard other bigger names like Miles Turner come up. Uh, so you know, all in all, I do think Clippers might make a smaller move on the periphery, but I don't see a giant move being made. Uh, you know, we mentioned the Knicks thing with Marcus Morris, and we brought that up because with the firing of Steve Mills, it has been 
really made clear that with Mills out of the way, who was one of the guys that really wanted Morris long-term, now the Knicks might be looking to actually trade him and get assets for him at the deadline. So he looks like he's available. We've already seen recently, just before starting this podcast, that the Knicks have had exploratory talks with the Lakers about maybe getting Kyle Kuzma in a Marcus Morris deal. So any of these players could be a factor, whether they come to the Clippers or not. As we know, the Lakers are looking to beef up. The Rockets have been very active in their talks. So I don't necessarily think the Clippers need to do much. I like their roster. I like what they have intact already. But there is something to be said about being proactive and keeping certain players off of other teams. So out of all the options we stated, I probably like Marcus Morris the best. But as I said, an option like Markeith at a cheaper price tag might be something that could split the gap in that that way for the Clippers where you're not having to give up as much. You can keep some of the players that you'd likely have to give up in the Marcus Morris trade. Uh, so we'll see if they can do something like that, even if it's not Markeith, a lower-cost player who can provide some bench play, some stretch four ability. That would be, I think, the ideal focus for this team. But with all that said and all those options reviewed, I don't think they'll make a big, splashy move around this deadline. I think it'll be, as we said, small on the periphery and maybe something to shore up a smaller hole for this ball club. I think when they're healthy, they're still as close to complete as any team in the league, and I don't think they need to rock the boat too much in that instance. But who knows? After saying all that, likely the minute I press submit on this podcast, a big trade could happen. So uh, we'll see what goes on with the Clippers in the trade deadline. We'll be up to date with that. If anything big happens, we'll have another podcast right up for you to break it all down and and see what happens. But I do think there is going to be a lot of movement around the league in the next couple of days. Heard the rumblings recently, and we'll see if the Clippers are involved. But if not, they're all good. So don't panic out there, Clipper Nation. It's going to be all fine. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Know that if you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. You can also find us wherever podcasts are available. Of course, Apple, as mentioned, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. Please also follow along at Believe.com and go take a look. There's hundreds of shows available on the platform spanning across the NBA and other sports leagues as well. So check that out. And also follow along at Believe Podcasts and with me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Cast. So with all that said... We'll keep you updated. Clippers and Heat coming up on Wednesday. Trade deadline on Thursday. Lots to come here in the Believe in Clippers podcast. So until then, this has been the Believe in Clippers podcast. You're only on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place of the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.